If you're not already turned to Psalm 114, uh, that's where we'll start this morning. Psalm 114. Glad everybody could be here this morning. Uh, it's always good to be here with all you guys. Um, and nice to have Holly with us and Kaylee and Anicia, our first timers visiting with us. We're thankful to have you guys as well. So, um, Psalm 114, I actually would like to use kind of as a springboard to talk about uh, something. This morning I would like to talk about remembering and just kind of the importance of that concept uh, biblically and how God wants us to remember and He's designed us to remember. And I think Psalm 114 stands as a testament to that in some ways. I mean, we could turn to a number of passages in the Bible that we could use as examples or evidences for remembering. I'm not exactly sure why I chose this passage, to be honest with you. Um, I can't remember why I picked it when I was first working on this lesson, um, but that's okay. I still think it's a useful passage. Um, and I'm not going to say I would pick this passage again, and not to say it's a bad passage to illustrate the point, but it's just funny that I can't remember why I picked it. And um, I think that goes to show also kind of the, the bad side of remembering is our forgetfulness sometimes. And we're going to talk about that in the lesson. So Psalm 114 is part of a sequence of psalms that you might already know um, that sometimes is referred to as the psalms of remembrance. Um, in these psalms, um, you typically have this concept coming up again and again. Um, beginning in Psalm 107 and typically regarded all the way through 127 are those psalms of remembrance. Um, some of those are a little more well-known than others. I don't think Psalm 114 is anyone on anyone's radar. If it is, good job. Um, outside of doing this lesson, I wouldn't have paid much attention to it, nor had I previously. Um, Psalm 119 might be one that comes to mind, being super long, right? Uh, the absolute middle of the Bible falls within Psalm 119, um, just as far as page content. So maybe for those reasons, we're a little more familiar with Psalm. We know that Psalm 119 deals a lot with the law of the Lord and how uh, the psalmist meditates on it and thinks about it and writes it and speaks it. Uh, but in Psalm 114... We're not actually sure exactly who the psalmist is. Prevailing thought is that it's David. Um, look at Psalm 114 again with us, and I appreciate James reading it earlier. Um, we'll just read it one more time just to keep it fresh in our minds. It never hurts to hear something again. Psalm 114. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains, that you skip like rams? O hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. And I'm just, for the rest of this lesson, going to assume David wrote this. So David, when he writes this psalm, is taking time to remember something. Um, really, he's pointing back to a story that probably most of us in this room are at least somewhat familiar with in the Exodus, right? 
the time that Israel wasn't Israel. They were just some people under the command of the nation of Egypt. Right Now, by covenant, they were God's people, but as far as the world was concerned, they were a bunch of slaves. And God pulled them out of that land. Um, that's where Exodus gets its name, meaning exit. They exited Egypt, right? And so God used that event to teach Israel so many things. In a lot of ways, it's the message of the gospel, right? I mean, that is the essence of what God does. He saves an afflicted people. Um, but David, I mean, he's 500 years later. What's he doing bothering remembering this event? And I think um, what we can get out of this is helpful. So there's was, there was four things that when I think about remembering that I think can be a hindrance to remembering something. The first thing is, I think, time. Um, time can really hinder our ability to remember something. I can't really remember a lot of things from when I was a kid. I can't really remember what I had for breakfast like a week ago, even though it's probably one of like four options. I probably couldn't tell you exactly what I had for breakfast. I mean, just time does that to us, right? Just the passing of time day in and day out, we forget things. Here we are 500 and something years later, and David has chosen to remember, or we might say not forget, this event that God had led Israel through. And I think that really speaks to the importance of remembering. We see David taking time to sit down and remember something. You know, God talks a lot about remembrance throughout the Bible. You might, uh, as my favorite tool, a blue letter Bible, I can plug in a word there and it tells me how many times it might pop up in a certain text or the Bible in general. I was able to search just the word remember. And how it's translated, I guess, from the Greek or from the Hebrew, how many times it pops up as remember, right? Um, and I got this number, 133 times just in the Old Testament, there's some form of like remember. Um, and I started to go through and specify the context of those remember, and then I got tired of doing that. But a lot of it was God saying remember or you know, be in the act of remembrance or remembering this thing. God's saying for somebody to do that. You can go through Exodus, you can go through Deuteronomy, and you're going to see that come up a lot. Remember, 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 remember. God emphasizes remembering. There's uh, 20 to 25 times that that word kind of comes up in the New Testament in various contexts. About 20 of those are God specifically, again, commanding some sort of remembering or remembrance? You need to remember this. And maybe he might use Paul to say that, or he might use Jesus to say that. But there's some idea of a need to do it. And so, again, all through the Bible, this concept of remembering comes up. But time can hinder us from remembering. We look at David and we say, that's 500 years later. Why didn't he forget this? Well, <laughs> He didn't live 500 years prior. He could have, it could have easily been lost in time, something that the people could have forgotten. Um, but if you would turn back to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Um, we're going to kind of look at a negative example of how this happens in time. Or a positive example, sorry. Positive example of how this can happen in time. Exodus chapter 2. 
Look at verse 23. That's where we're going to start. So you remember the story a little bit. Israel ends up in Egypt due to Joseph being sold into slavery there, and then him, because of God allowing him to rise to a position of prominence within Egypt, he brings the rest of his family to live with him. And then, between Genesis and Exodus, we have about a 400-year time gap where it just seems like Israel is expanding and expanding and having more children and growing to become this nation that we know them to be, um, to the point where Egypt becomes scared of them. They figure, they figure, hey, if Israel ever gets their stuff together and starts you know, acting as a cohesive unit, they're going to overthrow us. So we need to oppress them and we need to afflict them. And so chapter 2 gives us a little insight into this. Verse 23, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. To me, this says a couple things. One, and I think this is going to stand true through this whole lesson, is we need to know God always remembers. Whether that's positive or negative, time doesn't affect God. God is above time. Time is a creation of His. And so He stands above and beyond time. So time is not something that's going to hinder God from remembering. And I may not state it each time we go through one of these, but none of these things that affect our remembrance are going to affect God's remembrance. And so we'll see that as we work through this. I look at Israel. I think they stand as kind of a, a positive example in this. It's been how many years since we last saw any detail of God's interaction specifically with the people of Israel? I'm not saying it didn't occur, but we don't have any recording of it. Yet in Exodus chapter 2, we don't know how they're crying out. I'm sure... A group of people cry out in a lot of different ways. What they're crying out about, generally affliction and slavery, but that they remembered to cry out. They remembered to call to God in some way, in some capacity. And I think that speaks positively of them, that despite all the time that's passed since they came to Egypt, despite all the time that's passed since the promises to their forefathers, they're remembering God and they're crying out to God. So we can look at David when he writes the psalm and he's not allowing 500 years between him and the Exodus to allow him to forget those events, nor within the Exodus are the people allowing time to take away their memory or their knowledge of God. And so those are a couple of things that we can look at or a couple of people we can look at as positive examples of how to uh, overcome time in a sense and how they allowed themselves to remember also, one thing that I think of that really hinders our ability to remember some things is um, when our circumstances are busy or hectic, uh, that really hinders my ability to remember something. So something important or something worthy of remembrance happens when a lot of stuff is happening. I'm way less likely to remember the thing I need to in those circumstances. Um, you know, you think about David's life. Um, I can think about a lot of qualities of David's life, but I don't think calm and peaceful is one of the qualities that I would come up with. He might have had some like short stretches where you might look at his life and be like, relative to David, this was a peaceful period, right? His dad or his you know sons weren't looking out to kill him, and his 
the king before him isn't chasing him around or maybe he isn't suffering the consequences of a decision of his or he's not out in battle. There might have been some relatively calm moments in David's life, but certainly it's not a way we would characterize his life, I don't think. But David, despite those things, he pins Psalm 114. Now, if David allowed himself to be caught up in the the hectic nature of the life he was living and the busyness of doing God's work and living life and being the king of a nation or being the anointed king and not quite there and having to run around for his life, we wouldn't have any psalms. I mean, we would have a handful of psalms to what we have now if David was too busy to remember things. And so I think David stands as a positive example for us in that way, that when things are busy and hectic, we still, like David, need to take time to remember. You know that? Have you, ever guys, have you guys ever thought about that, like taking time to remember something? That's not something I think I see some... I'm glad you guys do because I'm seeing some heads nod, but I don't really do that. I think I take time to do something. I take time to read or I take time to do a Bible lesson or I take time to talk on the phone to a friend, but I don't take time to sit around and think, right, to remember something. But David did that, and I think he stands as a positive example um, in that way. And also, if we want to turn back to Exodus 14, I'm just going to kind of keep going back to the actual events of Exodus to kind of look at positive and negative examples of this stuff that David was writing about. So um, Exodus chapter 14, uh, if you want to look there with me. Exodus chapter 14. We'll begin in verse 12 here. Exodus chapter 14, verse 12. All right, beginning in verse 12. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which he'll work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will, will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. All right. So what's going on in this immediate context? Well, Israel's in the process of exiting um, in chapter 14. And in fact, they're at seeming crossroads. They've kind of gotten to this body of water that looks impassable. And God's about to work, as we know, one of the greatest images or pictures of his power that we have where he splits the red sea and the people are able to cross and god delivers them that way and in the next chapter we even see the song of moses extolling and exhorting and praising god for what he's done Um, but in this moment it seems like israel's forgetting some things they're not remembering what's happening right then it seems like well a lot of not a lot of time maybe has passed But maybe circumstances have gotten so crazy, so hectic and chaotic that they're already forgetting. Like, look at part of their complaint. We want to go back to Egypt. Well, it was just, you know, 40 years ago that you were saying, this is terrible and you didn't want to be here anymore and you cried out to God for help, right? That's a little bit of time. But they've been living that ever since then. So I, don't, I doubt that's something that they've really forgotten what that's like. But in these few days of travel and, and escaping, 
they've forgotten what it was like, right? And so I think sometimes when things get chaotic or busy, and I can't imagine anything being more busy than plundering a nation and then being on the run, you can forget things, right? You forget what is true. You fail to remember what's actually happening. And so we see Israel doing that a little bit. And of course Moses speaks to them to calm them, to remind them of the truths of the situation that they're in. But again, I think as we see the negative example of Israel is that sometimes when things are hectic, we forget. We fail to remember the things that God wants us to remember. So the first two here, time and uh, chaos or busyness or however you want to phrase that, really are kind of the act of remembering. I think these next two things talk about problems more of what to remember. So those first two are issues in just remembering it all, right? Time can hinder us from remembering. Circumstances can kind of hinder us from remembering. Um, but the next thing, I think, are details. I'm a big picture guy. I, I'm, I'm much better at remembering like the concepts or the ideas of something. Like when I watch a movie, uh, this comes out a lot. I won't remember the, like, the main character's name or, but I'll remember like how he was and like the point of the movie and like the ideas of the movie, but I'll fail to remember like what exactly happened, the main character's name, you know, silly things like that. And that's a dumb example, kind of a silly example. But details can kind of hinder us from remembering something, right? If there's a lot of details, maybe sometimes we forget what exactly happened. Um, can you imagine all the details involved in the Exodus? A lot of moving parts. Um, first of all, you have Egypt, who in and of itself is a people and a place and a culture and all that tied into that. And you have Israel, who also have the same things. They're a people. They're also, in a way, kind of a place. They're also, you know, promises tied to them and a lot of culture tied to that. And then there's this whole dialogue between Moses and God and then Moses and Pharaoh and then God and Pharaoh and then there's these commands to sit and wait and then put blood over your doorpost because God's going to kill the firstborn of the land that doesn't have that. And then there's the whole be prepared to leave at any moment. So have your sandals and your staff at hand and be dressed. Take the Passover that I'm now instituting in a very specific way. I mean, we go on and on and on about the details of the Exodus, right? Wouldn't that be kind of daunting to remember all of that all the time? How do you do that? You know, functionally, like, how do you remember those things all the time? And don't, over time, forget something, or don't, because of circumstances, forget a part of it, right? That's a challenge. We're people. We have finite minds, right? And that happens to us. Um, look back in Exodus. And this is just kind of an example of this, Exodus chapter 20. This is actually after the people are out of, the, out of uh, Egypt. Things kind of calm down a little bit. Um, as far as the chaos of the goings-on of their life. Um, but God hands them a lot of detail. Um, and this is only the beginning of even more detail. In Exodus chapter 20, we have uh, what we know as the Ten Commandments, what we kind of call that way. Um, verses 1 through 17, we're not going to read them, but God goes into detail, uh, the first written form of God's laws. Um, that's a lot of detail. You've never had that before and you're handed that. 
that's a big change, and that's a lot of detail that maybe you haven't had that specifically ever. Um, and so that's a challenge, right? Details can be a challenge to remembering something. If I gave you a list of 10 things, like my do's and don'ts, and then came back to you in 10 minutes, could I mean, how many of us could like list those 10 things back to me, especially in the order in which they were given? It's a challenge, right? So we see how this, this is a thing. And so God obviously helps us with that. He wrote it for us. He preserved it for us. He says to the Israelites, remember it, recite it, wear it, put it in places that you'll see it. So God aids us in remembering details and aids us in remembering these events. Think about David. Look at uh, Psalm 114 again. David, look at the details that he mentions about Exodus, which I think clearly show us David reflects and meditates and remembers intentionally this event. Um, look at verse 3 the sea looked and fled Jordan turned back the mountains skipped like rams the hills like lambs what ails you O sea that you flee O Jordan that you turn back O mountains that you skip like rams O hills like lambs this to me is the artistic detailed language of somebody who's given something a lot of thought um, who's given something a lot of remembrance Right. I think we need to be more like David in that. Um, these events and these things that God gives us that have a lot of detail and life to them, we need to be like David and take the time to remember them. and, In fact, maybe even dwell on the details. Because, like David, we can come to verse 8, right? Or verse 7. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Sometimes those details are the things that teach us lessons, right? Um, and so, to me, that while details can be a challenge to remembering things too, if we intention, we intend to remember those things like David did, they can also be the things that teach us the most. Um, the last little bit that I think can be difficult in our remembrance is significance. Um, when I put a value on something, I'm kind of in a way categorizing its importance in my memory, right? So if I eat a sandwich for lunch, that's kind of a mundane thing, right? I have done that a million times. Um, and so I'm not going to remember that one specific time I had this sandwich, right? It's not that significant. I do it all the time. It's not a big deal. It's not important to me, right? Um, so in a way, marking something as significant, understanding the import of something can really drastically affect our memory of it. Um, when I think about the events of Exodus, uh, the most important thing, personally, that probably happened in those people's lives, immediately speaking. The most, expanding this outward, the most important thing that happened in the history of Israel. That was the event they always looked back to. Um, and so, David, 500 years later, in his busy life, recounting the details. Why? Because it was important, right? What did it teach him? What did it tell him about God? Well, it taught him and told him things about God. Why does that matter? Well, because God is important. Right? The things that God does are important. 
And so, again, we could go back to Exodus chapter 12, and I look at that because there's some details about the Passover that God gives, which, in the grand scheme of the Exodus, don't seem like a big deal. Like, God's going to take us out of the land. He's going to give us the plunder of this land as we're leaving. We're going to become His nation, His holy people. He's saving us. But I need to wear some shoes and a staff. Like, oh, that's not really a big deal. God will take care of it, right? And in this blood on the doorpost, maybe that could be a detail that can be forgotten. I think those are issues of significance. We're kind of categorizing something. God says it's significant, but if I say it's insignificant, that's when I forget it, right? If God says it's significant for you to eat the Passover with a staff in hand, and I say it's not, then I'm not going to remember to do that. And so again, I think when God gives import or significance to something, it would do us well in remembering it if we also gave it import and significance. Because that's how God has wired us to remember something, if we deem it important. My mom used to say that all the time to me when I would forget stuff. I was really, really bad about not calling them if I was going to be out late, or not remembering to, and then insert whatever. Um, not remembering to take the trash out or not remembering to lock the door or not remembering to do my homework, which I'm pretty sure I remembered most of the time. I just didn't do it. Um, but, you know, like I didn't remember. And my mom would always say, I would say, Mom, it's not a big deal. I just didn't remember. And she would say, you didn't remember because you didn't make it important. It wasn't important that I told you to do that, and that's why you didn't remember. And that's kind of always stuck with me. God does the same thing. The things that the people fail to remember are things, are heart issues. That's what he comes to in Deuteronomy because they didn't think it was important. And so those are a couple of the things that I came up with that I think create difficulties in remembering time, you know, chaotic lives, situations, circumstances, and then uh, details, a lot of details can make it difficult to remember something. And then also if I deem something insignificant when it is supposed to be significant, can make it hard to remember. I say all this to say this. I want us to move into the New Testament. And I want us to turn to Luke 22. I have never been guilty of having overly complex, complicated lessons. I, I'm not, you know, the C.S. Lewis of today or anything like that. But I think this lesson may be more simple than what I normally do. I just want to look at Luke 22 and then one more passage and that's it. And I think this is where I want us to apply this today. I think there's little lessons we can kind of learn from this concept, you know, remembering God's things, making significant his things, paying attention to what he's taught us. Those, those are important lessons. But there's one chief lesson I want us to get out of this in Luke 22 and it's what we've been spending time this morning thinking about already. The most significant thing that God wants us to remember for all time is Jesus. Um, from Jesus, you know, we learn about other things that we need to know. And specifically, I think the thing that God wants us to dwell on, just as we've been doing this morning and remembering, is Jesus's death and how that's a sacrifice for us and how that means that we as sinful people have life because of that death. Um, Look at Luke 22, and we'll look at verse 19, starting in verse 19. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is, new, is the new covenant in my blood. So, this to me is the chief thing, that if we're going to be Christians, we need to be very deliberate in remembering. Um, you know, you could think about it this way. Uh, there's been a lot of time that has passed from this moment that we're reading about to now. I mean, more or less 2,000 years. But does that give us an excuse to forget it? No. Right? So we can't allow time to hinder our memory of this. And God's helped us with that, right? We have these accounts that we read and refresh our memory. We can't allow... um, we can't allow our chaotic lives and circumstances to keep us from remembering this. Uh, one thing that I think of, you know, is like maybe my work life can sometimes keep me from remembering the way I need to about this thing. You know, maybe the time that I need to remember, I replace with, hey, I've got work to do or hey, I've got volunteering to participate in, or hey, I've got family time that I need to have. Um, You know, we can't allow those things to hinder our remembrance of Jesus' death. One application of that is the time that we had together. I think that's commanded in Scripture together to partake of the Lord's Supper that is a remembrance of His death. But I mean, from day to day, am I failing to remember this because of other things? Am I failing to reflect on this because of other things? Am I failing to reflect on it because there's just too many details to remember and I'm not going to bother? Um, that's a challenge for me sometimes because, like I said, I'm a big big idea kind of guy. Um, you know, do I just remember, oh, it was just kind of this nice thing that God did, or do I really dwell on the details? Like how there was a prophecy about how no bone was going to be broken, but he would be pierced. That's significant, right? Which ties me to the next thing. Am I deeming things insignificant that God has deemed significant? Like said prophecy. You know, that's a detail that, since I'm not a details guy, I label as insignificant. But God has taken the time to say that that was significant and purposeful. Um, So again, I think we come as Christians to this passage, and this is the chiefest of things we're to remember And we need to evaluate ourselves and say, am I allowing some of these things to hinder my ability to remember as I ought? Um, We don't have time, or we're not going to take the time, I guess I should say, to read the passage in 1 Corinthians 11 again. But if you want on your own to read 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 34, and just think about time, circumstances, details, and significance... Think about, when you read that passage, how the Corinthians were failing in those regards in remembering Jesus' death and how that affected the application of what they were doing. Uh, I think that's a helpful exercise in just trying to see that. Um, Because they were. They were doing that in several different ways. Um, But the last passage I want us to look at is Revelation chapter 2. You know, outside of just remembering specifically Jesus' death, I think we could expand this concept as we were at the beginning of the lesson to just say remembering God's things. Whether that's the Exodus, whether that's his teaching on how to be holy, whether that's his teaching on how to have forgiveness, whether that's his teaching on 
you know, insert whatever, we need to remember the things that God has given us. Uh, we need to be like David and be purposeful. If that takes us writing a psalm about that thing, that's useful. If it takes us having a prayer about whatever it is, just of remembrance, kind of like Exodus 15. Hey, this just happened, and I don't want to forget about it, so let's sing a psalm, right? Um, whatever that means is for us, we need to deliberately remember. And I think Revelation 2 speaks to that. Revelation 2, verses 4 through 5. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. God recognizes that sometimes we're going to forget. Right? That's kind of the imagery he's using here. Forgetting versus remembering. You've forgotten the love that you used to have. You need to remember that. Right? And then kind of in the negative, remember where you used to be and now look at where you are, right? So he kind of uses it in two different ways. Remember the positive to where you are now and then remember the positive and where you are now again. So God to me speaks to this. He says, hey, humans forget, but you have the ability to again remember. And that's because of the grace of our Lord. He gives us that opportunity as he says in this passage, remember from where you've fallen. And it's not just enough sometimes to remember. If in your remembering you realized, hey, there's been some things I've forgotten, the equation for that is to remember and repent, right? Lord, you know, I've forgotten some things that you wanted me to remember. I've forgotten to do some things or not to do some things you've told me about. I'm going to change that. And I'm going to, from now on, the idea is, is I am going to remember. And so to me, that's the exhortation of God all the way throughout Scripture. Don't forget who He is. Don't forget the things that He teaches. But take time to remember them. Um, so hopefully this lesson has been helpful.